But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Lamentations chapter 3, 21 through 25. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. First John chapter nine, first John chapter one, nine and ten. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone, once again. It's good to see all of you on this Sunday morning. We continue our series on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as we sort of unpack these these different characteristics of the fruit that the the Lord grows in us, uh, we remember that this fruit is a spirit-given fruit. It's a fruit or characteristics of this fruit are distinguished from what the world sees as well. For the world's idea of love, joy, peace, patience is not the same as God's view of love, joy, peace, and patience. Now, there is overlap because of God's common grace to all of creation. But there's something unique about the fruit that is born in a believer that allows the world to see that we are different that we are distinct, that we belong to someone else, that we belong to Christ and Christ alone. And it's incumbent upon us as God's people to make this distinction because we often fall into the trap of simply wanting to exude and to express common grace characteristics. We want to to embrace simply the common grace characteristics of love and joy. And that's fine to a point. But the world also needs to know that our love and our joy go beyond the expectations of this world. That we take the extra step because of Christ's love for us to love when the world stops loving. That we are willing to die to ourselves and to be kind and good when the world says you no longer need to be kind. 
you no, no longer need to be good. In many ways, looking at ourselves and looking at the fruit that we bear helps us to see whether we are connected with the vine of Jesus. And when we see that fruit born in us, we rejoice because we see that we belong to Him. And we long even more to be connected with our Savior who loves us so much. I've lived here in Atlanta for since 2005. And I have, I follow sports here and there, but I usually don't get too high or too low about watching teams play. Now I'm from Philadelphia. And so when I would watch the, the Sixers or, or the, the Phillies or the Eagles, and, and I hear about how they do, usually I'm pretty even keel. But every once in a while, when the team loses, I get upset. Or when my team wins, I'm excited. And I ask myself, why is that? I don't really follow the team that much anymore. But you see, my allegiance is still residing in my heart. And that fruit is still born because what resides in my heart. I pray that the Lord does that for all of us, not a sports team. But there will be times where we're like, why am I angry against unrighteousness? Why am I angry when I hear the name of the Lord being defamed? Why do I rejoice when I see someone come to know Jesus? Why do I rejoice when I see someone changing in God's name? And you realize that this fruit that is born in you comes because you know Jesus. Rejoice on those occurrences, brothers and sisters. This tells you that God has a hold of you, that God has put his his. 10 pegs deep into your heart, and that God is going nowhere. He is with you. So we long for the fruit to be shown, that we may see your face and your life in our hearts. Today we go on to the next characteristic of the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness. God is faithful. God keeps his promises. Whatever God says, God does. God swears on his own personhood, on his own Godhood, that he will do as he says for the glory of his name and for what is good and right for his people. It is this type of faithfulness of God that allows us to see the the, the archetype of what faithfulness 
should look like. In the Old Testament, there's this peculiar word that is used and translated in many different ways. It's the word chesed, H-E-S-E-D, chesed. And this word could be translated into love. It could be translated into kindness. It could be translated into faithfulness. Sometimes it could be actually translated into truth. Sometimes in context, it translates into covenant keeping or promise keeping. And this word, hesed, sort of encompasses God's character and love for his people. Now, I believe that at the center of the meaning of that word is God's covenant faithfulness, God's covenant loving kindness towards all. You see, when God made his promise and said, I will be your people, I will be your God, and you will be my people, he made that claim to Abraham. And this promise he made to Abraham was not only to Abraham, but to his descendants and to all those people who would come to faith through Abraham, which eventually is the promise of Christ and all those people who come to know Christ himself. We are all not only children of God, but we are, as Galatians state, children of the promise or children of Abraham as well. When God spoke about what he is going to do, God faithfully completes it. God is faithful to himself. God is faithful to his promises. Now this word faithfulness has a lot of different branches and, and we start to see once again the interconnectedness of all the fruit of the Holy Spirit. To be faithful to his people God had to be patient, and God had to persevere. God had to be faithful in knowing that his people would be disobedient. God had to be faithful in knowing that there will be times when his people would worship other idols when his people would turn his back upon them. God's response was not to destroy them, but God's response was to discipline them and to be patient with them and to be faithful to the words that he has given. This is a characteristic of our God that that all of us as as God's people enjoy. We we want people to be patient with us, and and we love that God is patient with us. We love the fact that, that God allows us to make mistakes and that God is always there to to forgive us and to, to bring us back to Him. And this is the characteristic of God that really 
embraces people and really allows people to return to him. His understanding, his patience with us. But there's something else about his faithfulness to us that allows us to come to him with joy. His faithfulness for us is filled with love. His faithfulness to us is filled with love. This is utterly incredible. When we think of faithfulness and when we as mortal beings think of faithfulness, at the for, for us, we, 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 we don't ask the question, how can we maximally be faithful? But we ask the question, how can we minimally be faithful? And what we think about being minimally faithful is we think about how can I keep a contract by doing the bare minimum? That counts as faithfulness, doesn't it? Here's the contract. If I can just keep being faithful at its minimum, isn't that being faithful? And this is where the lines between the world and between God start to get start to get start to get a little bit more dis- discreet. For God's faithfulness is not a minimalistic faithfulness. God's faithfulness is not doing the bare bones minimum for his people. But God's faithfulness to us is done out of love, done out of winsomeness, done out of such a way to attract you back to his beauty, to his kindness, to his personhood in all ways. God's faithfulness to you is always married with love, is always married with a desire that you will once again return to him. God shows us his faithfulness to complete this covenant so that you and I can return to him fully by sending his son, Christ, to you and me. By sending his son, Jesus, God did what was necessary and what was maximal, maximum for you to come to him in Christ's life and in Christ's death. God's faithfulness to his word that he would save his people shows itself to be true. We say God is faithful all the time. God is not faithful in the minimum such minimum way. God is faithful in that he gives all, everything to his people that they may know him. And God gives all to us 
to the very end, that even in eternity, we stand on God's faithfulness to us as we live the rest of eternity with God himself. For us as God's people, when we realize God's utter faithfulness to us, the enduring patience, the the love that is married with this faithfulness, God calls us to do likewise, to be faithful to him and to show faithfulness to the world around us. For us as God's people, we need to say to ourselves, I need to be faithful to God and his kingdom and not faithful to this kingdom here in this world. That it is not the American dream that I'm chasing, but it's God's kingdom and God's idea of wholeness, shalom, that I am chasing. You see, oftentimes when we we live in this world, we see that the world doesn't often give us what we desire and what we want. And we look at God's promises and they seem so far off. But we look at the world and the world says, listen, if you leave the promises of God, there's wealth waiting for you. There's relationships waiting for you. There's things to to fill your stomach that is waiting for you. And our faithfulness to the Lord sort of deteriorates and we we walk over there towards the, the, the things that this country and this world wants us to have. But for the believer, we are faithful to God because God has been faithful to us in history and God has been faithful to us in our lives. And no matter what comes in our lives today or how difficult things are, we say to God, we're going to be faithful to you. Even through trials and tribulation, we will be faithful to you. Because God, you are faithful to us. And God, we'll be faithful to you even if we do not know what tomorrow brings. The unknowable future. I want to know what's going to happen to me. I want to know what I will become. I want to know sort of what my future holds. I have a dream of what my life is going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now. We give that to the Lord. And we say, Lord, you're faithful to me every single day. Whatever you give me today, I will be faithful to you and your kingdom. Whatever happens to the world beyond the five, 10 years beyond me, I don't know, but I do know that my life is in your hands. And I do know that eternity waits for me. Whatever lot you give me, Lord, I'll be faithful to you. For your love for me is complete. And all that you've done for me 
is complete. And so when the world sees that we are faithful to the Lord and not faithful to the winds of this world, the world sees us differently. There will be those who will mock you. Why are they standing on something so firm that they don't see? We can take that. That's what faith in Jesus means. But there'll be others who see our faith and they'll envy us. How come this person is not swayed by social media? How come this person is not swayed by the desires and the things of this world? How come this person is not swayed by, by money or swayed by people's opinion? How come this person is so steady? And it's because of our God's faithfulness to us and our desire to be faithful to the one who loves us. We have in God a solid foundation to walk. We look around and see the world getting things that they want. You might know peers who are far ahead in this world than you are. And it doesn't matter to us because we have God's love and God's faithfulness. And we say, God, I just want to please you and to seek your face. This leads us to loving one another and to be faithful to each other. When you are in a relationship with someone, whether you're married, whether you have children, whether it's just a friendship, or maybe it's even sort of parents or grown our parents that we have, that for us to be faithful in our love to people speaks volumes. Now, the world tells us something different. The world tells us, love yourself be faithful to yourself. That's where you find meaning. That you should let no one, no one uh, have uh, power over you to uh, describe your life. No one have power over you to, to tell you how much value that you have. And I tell you that that is a recipe for disaster. One, because it's untenable. And two, because it's unrealistic. It's untenable because none of us knows what we want. Our desires for things are very, very unstable. Some of you, we can't even pick an ice cream flavor when we go to Jenny's. There are times we say we want one thing, but we actually want something else. We don't know. And as time changes, as we grow older, our desires change all the time. To be faithful to ourselves means to be faithful to what is broken, untenable, and unstable. And in fact, if you live this way, you will not have relationships that last very long.
Second is that this faithfulness to our it's not real it's not reality, it's not realistic. I I always have to chuckle a little bit, um, feel sad, but chuckle a little bit when every once in a while you're reading the news or you're on social media and people post a pictures of themselves or pictures of their success, whatever, and they say, look at this. No one defines me. I define myself. Look, no one can judge what I look like. I look good. Look, no one can judge, you know, how I, how I did in my life. This is what I had. And I look at that, I go, well, why are you on social media then? <laughs> why are you looking for approval from other people? And at the same time say, I don't need approval. If you actually didn't need approval, you wouldn't need to post on social media about any of this stuff. You would just be satisfied with yourself, by yourself. But you're posting on social media telling other people not to judge you makes no sense. That's because we are we are all social creatures. God made us as social creatures. Whether we seek approval from the Lord or we seek approval from other people, we're always seeking approval for someone or something. And if we seek approval for anyone else, we cannot be faithful to anyone else. But God himself tells us to love other people, and to be faithful in our love. Just as God, when he pursued us, he was patient in his faithfulness, he was loving in his faithfulness. Don't be faithful to your, your parents in the sense of just doing the bare minimum. I'm just going to be a good daughter or a good son and do what is necessary. Don't look at it as simply a contractual obligation. But love your parents in a way that shows patience, in a way that shows God's love and God's kindness, in a way that wins them over to Christ. In Rosaria Butterfield's book, The, the Gospel Comes with a Help tells a story of how her, her mother came to know Christ and how she was simply faithful and loving her, her mother who, who had lots of uh, mental issues and was very much a hater of the gospel. Would always make fun of Rosario and her pastor husband and her children about their church life and about God and, and scripture himself. And Rosario talks about how difficult it was, but she also talks about the calling to, to be hospitable and to love her mother. Many difficult months, I think even a year or so, years of living, of her mom living with them. The hostility of the gospel towards the gospel right there. Rosario was simply faithful not begrudgingly taking care of her mom, but lovingly and patiently. And when her mother was in the, in the hospice, ready, you know, ready to pass away, Rosario was there with her, just being faithful, reading scripture as she always had done, singing hymns as she's singing 
um, singing psalms as she's always done, praying over her out loud as she's always done. And the Lord, by his mercy, allowed Rosario to watch her mother come to know Christ in her last days. Her faithfulness is an example of God's faithfulness to us. We do not know how long things are going to take. We do not know when God will answer our requests and our prayers. But we know that God will be faithful. And so our duty is to be faithful as well to all people, brothers and sisters. Bathe yourself in the gospel of Christ. He will never leave you. And may that send you out to be faithful to the people God has placed around you. Don't worry about yourself. God's got you covered. But love those who are around you faithfully, step by step, faithfully with loving patience, faithfully with joy, faithfully with kindness and goodness, faithfully that they may see that Jesus lives in you, that you yourself would see indeed that same truth, that you belong to Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for your loving kindness, your mercy. Lord, your mercy to us, Lord, is indeed divine. It is a perfect faithfulness that none of us could replicate. But we thank you, Lord, that even though we are faithless, that you are faithful. That when we come to you for forgiveness, you faithfully forgive us. Lord, help us, Lord, to be faithful to other people. We know we can't do it perfectly, but help us to do it within your power of, of being humble, in your power of asking people for forgiveness, in your power of, of loving, Lord, according to your word, Lord Jesus. And in so doing, Lord, we, we see that we free ourselves from our own desires. We free ourselves from our own godlessness, Lord God. And in so doing, Lord, we see that we belong to you. Lord, I know that many of us here, we, we, we are praying for our parents, Lord, to, to come to know you. And for many of us, that relationship is one of the harder relationships. We pray, Lord, that we would be all faithful adult children who would love our parents patiently, love our parents lovingly, to be faithful to the call that you have given to us, Lord, to be good sons and daughters that many of our parents, Lord, would grow in Christ, and that many of our parents would come to know you as well. So we thank you, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen.